Teacher Vet is a podcast about topics in veterinary medicine. Though we strive to provide research-based information, it is not intended to be used as medical advice. So if Fido's feeling sick, be sure to take him to your vet. Trust us, they know what they are doing. Hi, I'm Jacob Vockler, and I'm the teacher. Hi, I'm Amanda Vockler, and I'm the vet. And you're listening to Teacher Teacher Vet. Vet. Well, welcome to episode 7, I think. Maybe. It's too small to be losing track of numbers. <laughs> Let's call it episode seven. I believe that is true. I think. <laughs> We're pretty excited about today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, got some pretty interesting stuff and um, had some pretty cool feedback that we got. A uh, really quick story before we get into it. So we're going to be talking about anxiety today. And I reached out on the Reddit universe to vets on a group called Ask Vet. Jake loves Reddit. Reddit is a lot of fun. But it was really cool because I reached out and I said, I don't really know much about anxiety uh, in animals. And to be honest, the research is a little bit on the rough side. Uh, so is there anybody out there that knows anything as far as like, how do you treat it or how have you treated it in the past? And just basically did a Hail Mary and hopefully somebody will hit us up. And, um, it was kind of cool because within just a few minutes, uh, we had somebody on Reddit hit us up. It is Celia's yellow, I think is how you pronounce that. We'll say. And, uh, she's like, Hey, teacher vet. I'm so excited. I love your guys' podcast. So that was like, that was kind of cool. That made us feel kind of cool. I felt pretty cool. Like that night, <laughs> like I was like, somebody knows us that we legitimately don't, we don't know, know in person. I have no idea who this We're person cool. is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for reaching out to us on Reddit. Unfortunately, though, that post got me nothing. So uh, I have lots of anxiety now about this episode. Right. <laughs> well, that's okay. I got you covered. I know a lot about anxiety. Oh, good. So I'm just going to sit back and listen to you talk the whole time. Well, but you do the history part. So. Oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> first, I have something that we need to introduce today. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you genuinely didn't think about it, did you? I forgot. <laughs> we do have something new that we're going to introduce to the podcast. We have a huge change that happened in our life over the last couple of weeks. A very yeah. sad moment. I had to go back to school. <laughs> All of the parents. Like teaching. Like, not well, not yeah. he's going to school. As a teacher. Which is confusing to sometimes <laughs> say to people, oh, Jake's at school. And they're like, wait. What? <laughs> no, I'm teaching at school. Yeah. Yeah. The, Working. The worst thing that can happen to an educator is I had to go back to work. It's like the so, worst Monday ever. It's, it really is the most epic Monday of all time, uh, except for it started on a Tuesday. So that was weird. But still. We, but still. It's um, like a metaphorical Monday. Yes, Correct. So going back to work means that I don't have nearly as much time to sit around and put my feet up and binge Netflix episodes, but, uh, I guess people have to work for a living. So I guess I'll join that crew. But with that, we have a new segment that we're going to introduce, right? Yeah. So we're going to go to that now. Drum roll. Welcome to a podcast within a podcast that we are calling Today in Teaching. This is a really quick, really short little blip that I'm going to try and throw something in every episode to just share the ridiculous world that is education. Sometimes it's going to be funny stories, (laughs) which I'm full of. Yeah, every day. (laughs) 
he's got <laughs> he's got good good stories every day. Uh, sometimes it's going to be maybe touching stories. Uh, I definitely have quite a few of those. Uh, could be stories of success, frustrations when it comes to education. I know that the majority of our audience are not big into the education world, but I definitely have some funny stories to share. So we are going to just uh, try and throw that in real short every week. So for today in teaching, I have a funny story to share as an example. This actually didn't happen this year. We've only got about three days of school under our belt. I have had some pretty funny experiences, but I'm going to use my favorite as the first example. This one probably does take the cake. We were doing some lessons on vocabulary, and the word that we were learning that day was hyperbole, right? Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, hyperbole is, uh, in very simplistic terms, an over-exaggeration, Okay. Over-exaggeration so, feels like an over-exaggeration. Oh, <laughs> or, okay, fine. Exaggerating. Exaggerating, right? So I'm doing my best I can to try and teach them what hyperbole means and trying to put it in terms that they'll understand. And then I'm making them put it into like a sentence, right? Mm-hmm. And I have this cute little kid. He's 15 years old. He's 90 pounds soaking wet, wearing boots, right? Just this <laughs> tiny little cute kid. He raises his hands and he hears his hand and he says... Mr. Vockler, is hyperbole like when my dad comes out of the bathroom and he goes, whew, I wouldn't go in there for at least a week. (laughs) Uh, That was the hardest time I've ever had to hold a straight face. And then I totally lost it. I started laughing so hard. The room went nuts. It was amazing. And I just like nailed it. Yeah, you totally nailed it. That is exactly what hyperbole is. Uh, So that was a successful day in teaching. And so... That is your today in teaching. It also makes me more fearful for our daughter to be able to start talking more. <laughs> of like, what are what, the stories that she's she going to say? say? Yeah, but. absolutely. She's going to be full of it. So would you say that it gives you anxiety? Of her? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have she's, no. She's a definite trigger for yeah, sure. <laughs> she's no question about that. I have no very good, super cheesy intro, so I've just tried to drop anxiety? a few there. Anxiety. If you can't uh, tell what our topic is, it's anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about animals and anxiety today. We have, we talked about it a little bit with the Reddit post. We have some pretty cool information for you, and we're just going to kind of jump right in. Yeah. Awesome. So, so tell me the history. All right. Well, here's the boring snoozing history. If you're not super into it, uh, yeah. oh, well, get over it. So the history of it, right? So like I said, there's actually, it was kind of hard to find, not because of any lack of documentation or lack of study or research, but... It's um, just hard to tell when it started. Yeah. Like right? <laughs> nobody's really done the work for me and like written a book about it that I can find. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these other topics we've done, there's been somebody's kind of done the work and has written a paper about mm-hmm. it or whatever. And and there's just tons of information out there, but it's kind of scattered. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the best we can to not, this is not an in-depth like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, you know, mm-hmm. history. I'm just going to give kind of some big picture paint with broad brushes to give you an idea of like the development of of the observation of animal behavior and then the treatment of it um and kind of how, how that grew right so that's kind of what we're going to do so really not too bad really not too long but i'm going to start with uh what is anxiety specifically talking about separation anxiety i found a really There's cool lots of different anxiety correct that yes we recognize Ab- absolutely and Separation anxiety was actually studied in monkeys, um, and I believe that this was 
in the late 90s, if I remember right. And what was really cool about it was that they were trying to determine or create, come up with a theory, right? A hypothesis of what is separation anxiety and not so much what is it, but why is it, right? Mm -hmm. Why are animals going through this, right? And so we've observed that animals, especially pets in our home, start to get anxious when we're about to leave. And then when we leave, they'll destroy things and they're loud and you can hear them from three streets down if it's really bad, right? Mm -hmm. They're barking and yelping. And so they did some studies on the chimpanzees and what they found and the theory that they came up with in a really long study, also I'll make it really super short, was that they found that a chimpanzee who had an attachment to something that gave them comfort. They had like a stuffed animal, essentially. Mm -hmm. That thing that gave them comfort, when they removed it, the animal, the chimpanzee, would start to basically scream and be really loud and really boisterous and over the top and flail and whatnot. And the theory is, and it's been supported in several other studies, is that it's a defense mechanism. One could argue that it could call attention to them from a predator, but mm -hmm. uh, their argument or their theory is, is that actually separation anxiety is to call attention to the thing that's the comfort to come back to protect them, mm -hmm. and which totally makes sense. And yeah. it, it's reasonable. So, um, so when we're talking anxiety, that's the kind of deep-seated fear that you're talking about, and that's mm -hmm. why I thought that was important. These are. How would you feel being that person taking away their little? blanket i know right are they lovely <laughs> those poor chimpanzees just have this little so sad this little stuffed animal and all of a sudden they're just like yoink <laughs> but, but yeah so the, this this super, but they learned a lot from it yeah they did so it's a super deep-seated fear and it's literally a fear for their life right and so mm -hmm. as we sit here and we record i'm looking at our little dog that we've posted on instagram before She's cuter than heck, but she is a pain in the butt. And she has separation anxiety. Yeah. And she yelps and cries. And she's not as bad as she was, but she was pretty rough there for quite a while. And it and it always frustrated me. Mm -hmm. But having read this study a little bit, it kind of helps me go, okay, like there's a genuine fear there that she can't comprehend and that we can't reason with her. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. Now you get it like five years later. Well, <laughs> I'm a little slow and thick in the head. So, uh, all right. So here's a couple of big bullet points, right? As far as animal behavior is concerned, the earliest that I could find reasonable, like legitimate studies uh, about it was as early as 1992. There was a study that they talked about animal behaviors um, being needed to be treated somehow. And so fluoxetine, which is known as Prozac, Prozac which was name. being used as, in humans at mm -hmm. this point, uh, was brought up as, hey, maybe that's something that we could use. And so it was actually uh, proposed to be used on animals that showed obsessive compulsive disorders um, and they just obsessive licking mm -hmm. right and and they had several different studies that they did of why they licked but it was basically just animals that wouldn't stop licking which is obsessive compulsive mm -hmm. um, and they they gave it a shot on animals like that and they found that it calmed them down that it kind of stopped it a little bit then there was a study right after that and I couldn't find whether it was tied whether whether they tried the fluoxetine fluoxetine <laughs> Floxetine. Flox. Prozac. <laughs> I couldn't find whether the Prozac study of trying it initially was tied to this other study, but then there was a study done saying, is drug, are drugs just enough or should we do more? And so there was a study done in 1992 that mm -hmm. actually said that drugs are okay, but it's not a long-term solution. You have to do behavior modification with it. Yep. I thought that was kind of cool. 
as a teacher and, and especially working with special education, we talk behavior modification all the time. So I started mm-hmm. totally nerding out on that, but it was really cool. Um, because you, you have to think about that not to get like uh, over the top with stuff that's going on today, but people are always kind of searching for the magic pill to solve their problem. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that. You have to implement some changes yeah. to the behavior, right? Yeah. Okay. Which the, the pills can help. Sure. And you know, I'll even talk about this here in a minute, but definitely behavior modification is like 90% of treating anxiety. Yeah. Yep. And so the, as far as the history goes going forward, uh, jumping clear to 2008, there was not a ton between 92 and the mid two thousands. There were, there were, there were definitely drugs being used. There were other drugs being used, which you could talk about, or you could look them up, but it's a lot. Um, those drugs were being used for this kind of generalized anxiety or generalized um, obsessive compulsive types of disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2008, I found a really cool study that they talked about behavior observations in chimpanzees where they actually, it was the first time I found, uh, not saying it's the first time ever used, but it was the first time I found the use of them saying that an animal showed signs of depression, mm. right? And that's kind of a hard thing to say. Yeah. You can't say an animal is depressed, right? Because that's kind of something that we feel that we're putting on to the animal. Mm-hmm. But That was even something that they emphasized in school to never yes. really... say that word or terminology because we can't really ask that question and get an answer. Are you sad? (laughs) And they can't, you know, they can't say, but yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's certain behaviors and things that we can pick up on to kind of see that sometimes. But I just have like this stupid thought of like the dog sitting on the couch and the therapist, like Fido, tell me about your feelings. (laughs) So, but, um, but it ties into the next point. So in 2008, right. And in 2011, there was a study that they talked about describing how, what anxiety and depression looks like. Cause you can't say, oh, they're depressed. You have to say they are showing these signs, Mm -hmm. which we tie to what we call depression, right? Which now we're talking, even though it's still some gray, now we're talking observable behaviors that we can um, that we can see being repeated. And in a really sad way in this study, they were actually to able to recreate these behaviors in animals that didn't show them before. So, uh, let mm. me, let me kind of walk you through. Okay. So a couple of things, they say one common way, uh, to track depression or anxiety in an animal was to observe their behaviors. Okay. Like I already said, in some animals, that meant that they had decreased interest in ple- pleasurable activities, such as uh, exercise, such as eating and sex. Okay, and so then they said in other rodents, there were telltale markers, which include losing taste to sugar, preferential, uh, preferentially choosing dark spaces, and then also showing um, lack of interest towards easy challenges, right? Mm. What's kind of interesting is these are also behaviors that we do see kind of in humans when they're talking about depression. Oh, kind of. Oh, I mean, okay, a lot, yeah. Um, so even though I know that we can't technically say depression in animals, but we have these recreatable um, or reobservable um, behaviors. And what was really sad about this study that just kind of broke my heart is they had rats that showed this kind of behavior, and then they had rats that didn't. And the study actually was to see if they could do things to make 
the rats who didn't show those behaviors show those behaviors somehow. Mm -hmm. And so they put them through very stressful scenarios, um, like near death type scenarios. And then, and then saw to went to see what happened and they were able to recreate these depressions and anxieties. So it's Why really are you talking about all that sad stuff. I know I'm talking about the sad stuff because it's important to understand how humans started to observe the behaviors of animals. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's as simple as that. And so my last point that I'll talk about is one very simple drug. Trazodone. Okay. <laughs> is it simple? Yeah. yeah. Simple for you. But we always uh, joke. Yeah. Anyways. In I call it vitamin T sometimes. Vitamin T. <laughs> <laughs> you get trazodone and you get trazodone. Everybody gets get trazodone. <laughs> Especially during the 4th of July. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> so the reason why I want to talk about trazodone is because in 2008, there was actually a study done on 56 different animals where they prescribed trazodone to help with post-surgical anxiety. And it was like one of the bigger studies that showed huge results when you're talking about um, the recovery process. Recovery from surgery is not very easy for anybody, right? Animal no. or human or whatever. But um, so there's a lot of high anxiety there. And uh, this trazodone was able to almost 100% of the patients showed a significant decrease in their anxiety. And so, you know, long story short... We know that animals have these anxious types of behaviors. We've been able to identify what it is and why it is. And then we've been able to recreate or, or observe these behaviors over and over in different types of animals. So we can safely say, even though I'm not a vet and I wasn't in vet school, we mm -hmm. can safely say that we can observe anxiety and depression type of behaviors. And then we've treated them with drugs slash uh, behavior modification. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the gist of it. That's kind of the, the long and short of the history portion. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. what does so, it look like when it's coming into the office? So a lot of times it can be, you know, even just little people come in to talk about their dog's anxiety, where it's blatantly obvious that their dog is anxious mm -hmm. and the owner can recognize that and they know my dog hates storms or my dog hates fireworks or, you know, even talking about separation anxiety is another big one. Um, some other types of anxiety too can be, uh, fear induced aggression too. Um, which is sometimes hard to, to pinpoint and, and see, but there's also some dogs that like you mentioned can have generalized anxiety, or OCD-like behaviors. So there's a lot of different things. There's even more recently um, a conference that I went to. They actually talked about PTSD in yeah. our patients. I saw lots of stuff on PTSD. That's actually kind of a more recent thing that they talk about. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of different triggers, you know, like you mentioned with the the rats and observing. There are certain things that can happen in our animals' lives that can trigger um, these anxieties. Um, interestingly enough, too, I just went to a conference at our local zoo, um, and I was talking about the anxiety and separation anxiety in our pets. I was actually able to talk to the zoo veterinarian there a little bit, and, you know, talk about anxiety and what does she see there, even as a zoo veterinarian. 
And they do recognize that, especially even animals that are being put into a new exhibit or being moved and transported from a different zoo. They they treat them for anxiety and preemptively even treat them so then that isn't overly stressful and really taxing on their bodies. Because as we know, I think even more now as humans that this constant anxiety can be really detrimental to your health. It can suppress your immune system. It can change even some of your blood values and things like that. Well, that's um, even, I was going to say like sleep patterns and stuff. It'll mess patterns. those up a little bit and that doesn't help. Yeah. But then also another thing that, that we worry about, especially with our patients is them hurting themselves. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, unfortunately we even see that with humans too. Right. But um, there are some dogs that their anxiety is so bad that they're trying to rip through their cage and they're breaking their teeth, um, or even horses that are really anxious and, you know, chewing their entire stall, um, and, and destroying their teeth as a result of that or hurting, you know, destroying property too. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different things of, of recognizing it. Um, I also have some clients that might not recognize some of these behaviors necessarily as anxiety. And so sometimes I have to be pretty in tune to what people are talking to me about as they will like kind of side mention like, oh yeah, my dog freaks out when I leave the house. You have to kind of read between the lines a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like all of a sudden I, you, you sometimes kind of catch these little things real quick like, oh, hey. Well, let's have a conversation about that. What what does that look like? What what are they doing? Or, you know, sometimes even I'll mention things about their cat or randomly like, oh yeah, my cat does this. It's like, oh well, let's actually talk about that a little bit more. Cats strike me as anxious all the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He just doesn't know cats. <laughs> I don't like cats. <laughs> they're, 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 they're depressed all the time. They just no. seem like total jerks all the time. How about that? <laughs> Not all the time. Just when they don't want to do what you want them to do. Which is why dogs are better, because they always do anything you ask them to. <laughs> this is not a conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. Jake here, just to break in the uh, conversation about the cat. Um, not here to tell you about the cat so much, but just to tell you, I'm right. Anyway, uh, I'm not here to talk about the cat. I'm here to talk to you about PodCoin. This is the app that you can listen to podcasts and they pay you to listen. That is right. I tell you again, they pay you to listen to podcasts. Uh, Go ahead and go to your iPhone app store or Android app store and you can find PodCoin, the app for free. And if you use TeacherVet, the code, when you log in, you're going to get 300 coins to start. Okay, that's TeacherVet and get free 300 coins just for starting. Here's the deal. By listening, they track you and how long you've been listening, and they give you points for however many minutes you listen per day. Those points turn into coins. Those coins can turn into gift cards or donations to charity. You actually can make a difference by just simply listening to podcasts. Now, I know you guys always listen to podcasts anyway. At the very least, you listen to about 45 minutes every week or every two weeks just for listening to us. Why not go ahead and get paid for it, okay? That's PodCoin and go ahead and use TeacherVet and get yourself 300 free coins. You can go towards Amazon gift card, Starbucks gift card. You can donate it to charity. There's lots of really cool stuff you can do. Again, that's TeacherVet on the PodCoin app. And uh, 
trust me, you won't regret it. Everything I listen to now is on PodCoin. I love it. It's the best thing there is. Now back to the show. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Anxiety. (laughs) More fun. (laughs) Some anxiety. But yeah, that's the biggest thing. That's obviously the number one step is recognizing it. Like I said, sometimes they, they owners will recognize it and know it. Um, or other times we, we might have to kind of catch on to the little things that they might be doing. So another thing too is older dogs as they're all of a sudden not listening or doing things that they didn't used to do, you know, and not all of a sudden becoming untrained people say, or they're not coming when they're told, uh, sometimes then they can have cognitive disorders or cognitive dysfunction where they, their brain is aging similar to humans having dementia where they can literally forget. So I would have thought of that as kind of a different topic, like, like, you know, animal Alzheimer's kind of a thing, but it's, you treat it kind of in a similar vein or... Um, a little bit, but it's kind of similar in a way that they can also develop anxiety as a result of that. Gotcha. So they can also have what we term as like sundowners syndrome of similar to people that have Alzheimer's, um, will get really anxious as the sun is going down and they cannot settle down. And I, I um, recognize that in my patients as well. It's like, so, so you're parents dog is kind of going through something similar like that yeah. and sometimes you can almost look at her and it's like she almost doesn't remember you know where mm-hmm. she is or whatever and then she'll mm-hmm. just go lay down behind the couch and between the couch and the wall and just kind of lay there yeah and so that guess that would be pretty stressful just like i don't really know where i'm at like things are unfamiliar and, mm-hmm. and that can cause some yeah and know, they they can't talk to us they can express us. that yeah but i've even had some people like it seems like my dog doesn't recognize me sometimes. Like they recognize him as a stranger and they don't want to approach him or different things like that. So it is worth mentioning. Um, that is one that I want to do a full uh, podcast on because I think it's really interesting kind of talking about it. But it, like I said, there's lots of different anxieties, kind of a blanket term. There's a lot of things that we can kind of put into that. So like a lot of subsets, essentially signs of anxiety, like we already mentioned, um, hiding ears back, panting for dogs, sometimes even so lip licking, yawning. Um, is that also... one was interesting to me when I learned that, I learned that when mm-hmm. you were in vet school, yeah. you took like a behavior class and I always thought yawning, we used to always tease the dog, you know, if they were yawning or whatever, and it was like, oh, why are they yawning? Like, this is all exciting. Yeah. And it was like, no, they're yawning. It's actually like, a, a stress reliever. They're trying to calm them. themselves down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a big one. And then you see some videos of like little kids crawling on the animal and then they're, they're yawning. Yeah. And you're like, no, go, get yeah. them off, get them off. All those videos always make me. They drive you crazy. They give me anxiety. <laughs> but yeah, the biggest thing is recognizing that and also then teaching owners how to recognize those behaviors as well. Incessant barking, pacing, destructive behaviors too are also evidence of of anxiety. So a dog that might have been recently adopted uh, or rescued Mm -hmm. who's put into a cage for the first day or second day. It was the second day. And then... (laughs) I know where you're going with this. throws, Throws her body 
violently against the side of the cage to move she the whole 20 cage. pounds 20 pounds in this in cage an was... extra large dog crate <laughs> so our dog mia we we got her as a rescue during the third year of vet school and yeah. she was and we were kind of both really busy but we thought she was cute and we had to cage her because we weren't really crater because we weren't really sure how she'd act yeah we came home that made it worse <laughs> she slammed herself into this cage somehow slid the cage feet towards Across. the couch Across the living room, which, granted, that wasn't very far because we were in a small living space. We were space. poor and lived in a tiny trailer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, but still feet. Yeah. It was feet. Then she it. destroyed, from within the kennel, destroyed the couch, destroyed a blanket, and also the cover of my most expensive book. It was small animal <laughs> surgery, which my is My small where, animal surgery, yeah. which is actually where I met Mia. Is because she was my first surgery dog. Yeah. So, so. yeah. So she was sending us a sign of yeah. what she thought of us, which, yeah. for lack of a really better term, it was just so, a good middle finger to right. us. Yeah. And but now she she's... was definitely a very good learning opportunity. We'll no call question. it. <laughs> she was a little ball of anxiety. Of no what, question. Yeah. Of what anxiety yeah. is. So there you and go. And she's doing a lot better. A lot better. Than what, yeah. where we started we'll out. We'll have to find that picture because we have that. We did the dog shaming picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Great. So as far as treatment goes, you know, then it's a lot is dependent then on the type of anxiety that we've recognized. You know, is it a... As something that's intermittent, like a noise phobia of something that we see with um, fireworks or even storms, or is it a constant daily type of anxiety? Um, so that will kind of adjust and uh, sometimes alter treatment as far as that goes. Treatment, like we mentioned, the biggest thing is going to be behavior modification. And what behavior modification looks like is trying to avoid the triggers at the beginning of any anxiety. Sometimes they're unavoidable, you know, like leaving we the house have to go outside. Gotta go to work, <laughs> Mia, to sorry. Or sometimes you can't avoid a storm rolling in. Yeah. Um, but sometimes even children can sometimes cause anxiety um, in animals. And so... Avoiding children to begin with is, is a huge one. Secondary to that then is the, the step of counter conditioning. So trying <laughs> to counter conditioning means that we're trying to replace uh, that feeling of anxiety with actually a positive oh, experience. Okay. That's not what I thought it was. I was thinking it was where you're doing like how we would have to fake like we're leaving the house, but we weren't leaving the house. That's count. Yeah. Okay. All That's right. within counter conditioning. <laughs> okay. So, so we would have going. to like, yeah. So like example with our dog is throwing on our coat <laughs> and sitting down. <laughs> it, was, it was the worst. So we would have to. You, there, a lot of dogs can recognize some of these triggers, you know, or these little events that are yeah, leading, up, yeah, yeah. leading up to that event. Right. And <laughs> so it'd be like. Saturday afternoon, sitting there watching TV, dog on the lap, and then we would just like, okay, stand up, walk over, put our shoes on, grab my keys, put them in my pocket, and then yeah. she'd start freaking out, and, and then I, we'd sit down. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I misspoke. That's more kind of desensitizing yeah, her yeah. to it. And then along with counter conditioning, then we're 
giving her a treat and, yeah, and yeah. recognizing so her, hey, this is okay. So after she calmed down, we'd give her... It's okay that yeah. I yeah that I got on a coat. <laughs> like, this isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Or that I grabbed my keys. Or- I've, I've had to do the same thing since when we moved into our house that we're in now. Uh, the inch that's, it hasn't worked cause I haven't kept up with it, mm-hmm. but the garage door is a trigger when oh, yeah. she hears the garage door. It is Yelp all day. And, and it's more right now, it's more excitement for like the return home of yeah. people, but it still is a stressor. And so trying to, to get her desensitized to it, I grabbed our, uh, our garage door opener out of the car once one day <laughs> and I stood in the living room and every now and then just, just whatever clean in the house or whatever, I would just push the button and the garage door would open. And then I just like act like nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. And th- that day, and even that week, she kind of calmed down. I opened and closed the garage door probably 50 times that day. And somebody who was in the neighborhood probably thought we were crazy mm-hmm. or something, but, but, uh, you and know, Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's kind of like an instance <laughs> or an example of sometimes flooding, um, where you can kind of repeat a stimulus or an event multiple times yeah. um, to try and desensitize them, where then it's like, all right, that's not a big deal. Now, yeah. not every time the garage door opens, somebody's coming, somebody's home. coming yeah. home, and this is really crazy and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to like different noise phobias. There's, I have some patients that hate, 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 hate the little. Uh, ding on their owner's um, cell phone. <laughs> They're fine with everything else. Fireworks, no big deal. But that little ding on the cell phone apparently is going to murder them. Just the so, right frequency, I guess. Mm-hmm, I, don't I don't know. But so, you know, trying to find even a recording of that sound and playing it at a really low volume. This is kind of more with counter conditioning and trying to find a really high value tree of something that they, they like and, um, distracting them enough yeah. where they don't notice that stimulus. And then slowly over time, turning up the volume of it. And sometimes like a lot of those, then we can change then their response to whatever this stimulus is. So it's, um, another term that, that we call it is response substitution. So, Rather than I'm going to freak out and cry when the garage door opens or when a firework is shot, I'm actually going to go lay down in my comfortable, you know, my safe place, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Teaching them to and go to like, their bed. Yeah, go, go to their moments. place or to their bed or yeah. lay down or even sometimes making eye contact with their owner. Um, Recenter you just, somehow. Yeah, to where then that's more of the desired response that we want. They're still allowed, you know, anxiety is going to happen. Fearful things will happen in anybody's lives. Right. Yeah. But we just need to then like, when I tell people, it's kind of the tools, like giving them to the tools of, okay, I know you're feeling anxious, but this is then how you should react and yeah. how you should respond. Like I get lots of kids who I deal with who are on IEPs and things who have behavior issues. What are IEPs? Oh, sorry. Uh, individualized education plans. This is somebody <laughs> for, for various reasons who is basically not able to be held to the state standard or even a federal standard of, of, you know, whatever academic level. Um, so we, anyway, I could go <laughs> super deep into that, but, uh, these are kids who, who need extra help and support. And we have some 
a lot of it's academic. We have some um, where in the unit I'm in that we're talking behavior modification stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you, so a lot of this is very similar. But just an example in, in humans that a lot of people actually might relate to. If you are in a conversation with somebody, a typical well-adjusted human is going mm-hmm. to be, if you're getting frustrated, the, the typical response might be, you know, suppress it or like, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, I can, I can, you know, take a deep breath. I'm fine. Like this will pass. Or if it gets really bad, removing yourself from the scenario and just saying, you know what, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I can't talk anymore. Right. Like before it gets too much, I have to remove myself. A lot of these kids have never been taught that and they're not learning it naturally through observation. So we have to physically teach them when you are angry, you need to and do then you this. A, B, yeah. C, or D. And a lot of it time, it's you need to go walk down the hall and get a drink, or you need to sit in the hall for two minutes, or you know, whatever the scenario. And we have to like specifically teach them that because mm-hmm. they haven't caught that. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's, it's very similar. You know, you and have to yeah. sit down, you have to go lay on your bed. Now I'm talking about dogs, not <laughs> students. You have, go lay on you, your bed. <laughs> you have to go, you know, yeah, exactly. Like find your place, find your center. Yeah. They're still going to be anxious and, and rattled a little bit, but at mm-hmm. least they're not jumping and flipping and barking and doing, you know, and hurting mm-hmm. potentially themselves. So yeah. interesting. And if ever they're then, you know, and this is always like the biggest thing, right? If your dog or cat or horse or pig, <laughs> whatever your animal is. Pig? Oh, uh, my pig has high anxiety because <laughs> I'm not feeding it enough. Worried about becoming bacon. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. <laughs> my- my pig saw me I only eat a know BLT. that because I just watched Charlotte's Web <laughs> with our daughter. And now that's, that's awesome. terrible to watch <laughs> as an adult. It made me sad even as a kid. But like, I would oh. have tons of anxiety if I was a pig. Yeah. Because bacon is amazing and everybody wants to eat it. So he, like, I'd he, be in trouble. He knew that was sad, but he was saved. If, you know what? I'll spo- spoil alert for those who haven't seen <laughs> for those Charlotte's Web. That haven't seen a show that's probably twenty years old at the thirty years old at this point. Oh my gosh! Holy cow! So, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> what were we even talking about? <laughs> you said uh, anxiety and pigs. I don't know. <laughs> I so, but if okay, sorry if. <laughs> If you're seeing this and recognizing these behaviors, definitely have a conversation with your vet, have your pet seen to make sure, too, that there's not any underlying medical reason that they they are also acting this way, too. Because there sometimes can be medical reasons, pain, different things like that, that some dogs can exhibit some of these behaviors as well, too. Um, And also, it's a good conversation then to start to see, okay, if my pet is moderate, what we term moderate to severe with some of these anxieties, then yeah, that's usually when I'm like, we should really consider starting them on a medication right away. If they're mild to moderate, then that's kind of when we're like, eh, some behavior modification. Might be, be to able start. to just just do behavior modification. There's other medications too that I was trying to look into even some of the history of of some of these, but there's um, pheromones out there that can help calm animals down and there's they're they're out there for dogs and cats, I know for sure. Yeah, it's we've talked about food and stuff a couple episodes ago, but there's 
like There's kind of foods, a, a, yeah the yeah. food industry is even getting into mm-hmm. it with different things yeah yeah so within the food there's tryptophan um as well as different milk proteins that help calm them down um as we know you know a lot of tryptophan makes you feel good everybody <laughs> thinks of like post thanksgiving post thanksgiving meal, meal <laughs> and you're like oh that's great yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um also too there are supplements that are available as well um what i always tell people to be cautious and leery of with supplements is making sure that it's a reputable company that you're getting those supplements through so Definitely, if you're going to do that, I would also be in touch with your veterinarian because we know those and we can recognize those a little bit better. Um, the biggest supplements that can help with anxiety uh, with pets is L-theanine um, is the main active ingredient that, that can help um, more specifically with dogs too. Other things is even um, anxiety wraps meaning like a body wrap like thunder blankets yeah, or, the or, or, thunder, or whatever thunder they call jackets, them. Yeah, thunder, thunder jackets thunder shirts no we're not sponsored by them no <laughs> although if you're listening and you know somebody that i mean yeah we'll take a sponsor right i'll take, <laughs> I'll take your money That'd be cool. no <laughs> yeah so there's i mean there's a lot of options yeah, out there not just the, dietary but yeah and then too. then even more recently too there's been probiotics that have been proven so yeah. the good bacteria that have actually been proven to help um calm down reactive animals or anxious animals too. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Other things too to that I always mention to people is also if anxieties are really bad, there are animal behaviorists out there. They specialize that. in that. Um they have little leather couches that your animal lays down on and <laughs> right. tells all about their tells father all about issues it. and Um, But some of those really severe cases that even are beyond my training and abilities, those are ones that I'm like, we might want to go see the the behaviorist to to see what they have to. It can be a little pricey, but it's, I mean, if it's bad enough, it's worth it. Yeah, if it's something that you want to work through and to try and keep that animal. Yeah. Is, I, is I don't say that step. to like scare you off or anything, you know, if anybody has that. And, and that's not yeah. what I mean. I'm sorry if I did, but, but kind of just saying like, like this is it, we talked about with the history, it's kind of newer mm-hmm. and just the kind of the concept. And so there's not a ton out there. I mean, they're available. I mean, you, you yeah. probably have one in whatever area you're mm-hmm. in, you could find. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you just, just be ready for the fact that you're going to have to follow through with what they say. It's yeah. going to be behavior modification be on work. your part yeah. more so than the animals. So the animals mm-hmm. almost a byproduct of, of what it is. You're going to have to change your behavior. Mm-hmm. There's going to be work and, and kind of yeah. a, a commitment. And it's there. not the, the biggest thing than even knowing like we said from personal experience, it's not an overnight change. No, it can um, take years. It can I, take a while. Mia, Mia took mm-hmm. forever to get yeah. her to where we're at. But I even think of, you know, even her fear of people. Yeah. She's come a long way Absolutely. with that. Um, and how, how did we counter condition her? Do you remember? <laughs> we used to carry ham in our pocket. <laughs> when we would go to the dog park and we would ask strange men who we've never met to give our dog ham. Yep. And that is a true statement. Cause she was, 
she was fearful of, of males, strange yeah. men. Yeah. Yeah. So. And we had a couple of times where we would have just friends that we knew, but haven't been over to our house yet. And we would, we would mm-hmm. arm them with treats before they walked mm-hmm. in the door and they would kind Making of Making them a treats. treat dispenser yeah. and a good experience yeah. and she, all around a, a good thing <laughs> for her. And that, and she's a lot better. She'll now, the cra- crazy barking when somebody comes over. But it dies down. It dies down so much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, you have to do some weird stuff if you're trying to change your dog's behavior. You look like a goofball for a while, but it really does, really does work. There, we've come a long way. Yeah. And the biggest thing, too, is also recognizing some of these triggers and life events that can bring about anxiety. Mm -hmm. So then, how people then kind of try to avoid. Um, really bad anxiety coming out in their, in their animals. Sometimes it can be hereditary, um, where it's genetically within their, in their DNA for something that they, they are just a little bit more anxious. There are certain breeds too that are more anxious than others. Um, you know, especially of dogs and cats. Um, also socialization, is a big yeah. thing. Get your animal out there. Meet yeah. your animals and Especially people. there's a socialization window in their puppies of around 10 to 16 weeks that they need to get out there and experience things. If you want them to be comfortable around people, dogs, cats, all these things to, to get out there and experience these things in a positive way. Yeah. So they don't have a negative experience. Um, also... Um, another thing that worth mentioning to, you know, shelter animals, not all of the time are they going to have anxiety when you bring them home, but there are certain things that mm -hmm, they can because they went through a big life change and some pets there maybe have been returned multiple times or, you know, there's a lot of scenarios that it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the big thing that I know all of my other vet friends will totally commiserate with me not every animal at the shelter was abused <laughs> True, <That's laughs> they're true. not acting in that way all the time because they were abused have is it possible yes but not every single animal was just even the act of being separated from their family mm-hmm. can bring about some of these behaviors yeah. and it's not necessarily anything super traumatic or terrible that happened other than being in the shelter, you know, essentially in a new environment. Some dogs even just moving to a new house can, can change their life enough that it's like, whoa, you, you sometimes have to like re potty train a dog or, you know, re house train a dog, you know, not, Mm -hmm. not all the time, but but, but, but like it can be that much of a difference. It's a learning curve. curve. Yeah. Another big thing that I, I wanted to mention too, is there are a lot of good dog trainers out there too, that can even work in your home with you. Um, or, you know, you can go to obedience classes and things like that, where they can talk about modifying some of these behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, basic behavior, basic training can go a long way. Yes. That's no Mm -hmm. question. Yep. And activity is, you know, also huge too. But like, as far as trainers go, always make sure that you find a trainer that's reputable, got good credentials, um, that also uses, um, reinforcement training, not necessarily positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement is not 
positive. It's not necessarily positive. Good boy. <laughs> no. Yeah. And that's sometimes like a verbal reinforcement yeah. is good. But yeah. positive means we're we're adding something to the equation. So even sometimes a, a smack, yeah. um, choke chains, like all those things are technically you're, within that. You're adding a stimulus of some yeah, sort. Yeah, but that actually can making some anxieties worse and some aggression and fear worse too. Um, so more what's termed negative reinforcement where we're removing something. So sometimes even like attention or taking away a toy, different things like that. They actually can learn a little bit more from that. All right. Anything else that's worth bringing up or mentioning? No, I think we touched on everything. Awesome. We hope you learned a little bit of something along the way. Yeah, we hope that you did learn something <laughs> along the way. Well, in closing here, just remember that you could find us on Instagram at Teacher Vet Podcast. And we also have a Facebook page. Just search Teacher Vet Podcast and you'll find us there. If you like what you hear, tell your friend and uh, spread the word. We, we want some more listeners. Yep. And also, we have a lot of topic ideas, but we want to be sure we're talking about topics that you're interested in. So if you have any topic requests or thoughts, hit us up at teachervetpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks to uh, if Shauna, if you're listening. Not my sister. Not Shauna's sister. Shauna, my, <laughs> who's my, sister? my dad, your sister. No, you said not Shauna's sister. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Shauna, not your sister, but Shauna, <laughs> my my uh, dad's coworker. Thank yeah. you for the um, request yeah. mm -hmm. for a topic. So. We are all for that. So hopefully you enjoyed the the episode, and hopefully you listened. <laughs> and to everybody else, thank you all for your support. Thanks for everything you do, and we really appreciate you. And we'll uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>